Let's, let's pray real quick. Father in heaven, I pray that, that those last couple of songs we sang, Lord, were just, that the words would land on us in an unusual way tonight. I pray that each person in this room, that that's their confession. That thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. If anybody in this room tonight is not there yet and has not had that experience, not been forgiven of their sin, doesn't know what it's like to be in relationship with you, I just pray tonight, Lord, that you would move in an unusual way about the hearts in this room. Lord, this is not a game that we play, this thing called life. We need you. We need to be a group of individuals that, especially in today's world, Lord, keeps our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. So I pray tonight, Lord, let those words that we just lifted up, let them echo in our ears and our heart. And tonight, Lord, if the message I share doesn't land where you need it to be, I just pray those words do, because it's truth. Whether we've accepted it, whether we believe it, it doesn't change, it's truth. And I'm grateful that there is a truth that we can give our lives to. And that truth is not a circumstance or situation, it is a person, and his name's Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Well, welcome to Inside Out again. It's nice to see you guys on this Wednesday night. Glad you guys were able to come out, get all your homework done, or delay getting your homework done until you get home here in just a little bit. So let me give a little bit of a review. What I want to do is walking into this new year, I want to give you guys a little bit of stuff to think about that you can hang on to out of the Old Testament scriptures, looking over our shoulder at what happened years ago, centuries ago, and how we can use that and make it relevant for us today. But I do have a question. I want all of you guys to turn to your groups real quick. So make sure you get in your small group. If you don't have a bulletin, please grab a bulletin tonight so you can follow along with the scripture. But here's what I want you guys to talk about. Are you New Year's resolution people? Because we're still kind of just on the other side of January 1st, New Year's resolutions, those kind of things. People do that. But have you made any commitments in your own heart before God that you want to help your small group help you be accountable to? So is there anything going into this year, maybe out of last week's message or tonight, if you will, as we get through it, is there anything that you want to walk deeper with God or commit to God that you want to share with your group tonight so you guys can hold each other accountable? Talk about those things for just a couple minutes and then we'll get started. Okay, everybody, let's turn our attention back to the front of the room. You guys can discuss this a little bit more later on. So last week, if you were not here, let me give you a quick review. What I wanted to do last week, I wanted to look back at the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, basically God told Joshua, Moses is dead, Joshua's taking over for God, or for Moses, as far as leading the Israelites into the promised land. And God told Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for I am with you. I'm the Lord your God, and I will be with you always. He also told Joshua in verse chapter one, verse eight, he tells Joshua, do not turn, Keep your, keep your intent on the word. Do not turn from the left to the right or the right or the left. Keep your eyes fixed on the word and the law and follow me. And Joshua did that. Chapter three, we see the, the miraculous story of what it looked like for the Israelites to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. Remember last week when it was at flood stage, a mile wide, and, and, the, and the, the priests had to go up to the water and think about it. They walked by sight, not by faith or they walked by faith, not by sight, excuse me. So they walked by faith because when they went up to the Jordan River, like we talked about going up to the Yellowstone in Billings when you first crossed the bridge, 
I wouldn't want to step into that river come springtime flood stage, right? For me, God would have to tell me, Dan, I want you to walk up. I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to walk up and put your foot in the water. And when you do, I will part the water for you. But so the level of faith that the priest had to have, and remember all the Israelites were watching this because the Ark of the Covenant was out in front of them. They all crossed the Jordan. They got over the Jordan River into the Promised Land just outside of Jericho, okay? Give you a quick rundown, kind of a context of what's going on here. So that's Joshua chapter three. They've crossed over into the Promised Land. They walk by faith, not by sight, because there's absolutely no way to explain A million to two million Israelites got to cross the Jordan River at flood stage when the priests walked in, they stood there, they crossed over, and now they're waiting to go conquer Jericho. Jericho is a huge city. It says Jericho was so big you could race chariots around the tops of the walls of Jericho. That's how big it was. And then Jericho was the first enemy. So I heard it put this way by a pastor one time. The Israelites went into the promised land, but it was a problem land as well. There were enemies in that land, and the enemies were there, and God told the Israelites, you will conquer the Canaanites. You will conquer the Amorites. You will conquer the enemies that are before you. So Jericho is such a great story, and I gotta get into the rest of it. We may not get it all covered tonight, but so Jericho is such a great story. God told Joshua and all the Israelites, again, they're walking by faith. Remember that saying, walking by faith, not by sight, God tells the Israelites, I want you guys to march around the city walls of Jericho one time a day for six days, and six days in a row, and not say a thing. Now think, if you're, if you're in Jericho and you're one of like the, the conquering enemies, you're looking down at these nut job, these Israelites, and they're walking around the city walls one time a day for six days, and they don't say anything. They got the Ark of the Covenant, they got the priests, they got the Ark of the Covenant, and they got the armies of Israel walking around the walls for six days. Not knowing why, God just told them to. So walking by faith and not by sight, they did exactly what God told them to do. And on the seventh day, God told Joshua, march around the city seven times. And now I want the the priests to blow the trumpets. As you go around seven times around the city that day, I want you to blow the trumpets. And on the seventh time, you'll hear one loud blast from the priest. And then he says, I want the armies of Israel to do nothing more than this. Raise your voices and shout, a great shout. No swords, no weapons, just their voices. And the Bible says that the walls of Jericho crumbled right there in the moment. No, not, no weapons, no nothing, but here's what they were doing. Their weapon was obedience, If you look at this in my mind, the weapon, the best weapon the Israelites had and Joshua had were they were obedient. They walked by faith and not by sight. Think about your life for a second. How obedient are you being? So we think about these great stories and that's wonderful, Dan, but my life doesn't always look like that especially from a high school perspective. There are times I make mistakes and I get my eyes off of God and I'm not doing exactly what God calls me to do. What do I do, Dan? What do I do then? That's what I want to dig into tonight, because after Jericho, there's another city that they tried to conquer called Ai, a small city, and I don't have time to get into that tonight, but because they were not obedient to God in that story in chapter 7 and chapter 8, they lost to Ai, and the reason why they did was not the size of the city. It was because of their disobedience, because the Israelites had already fallen into sin. 
They cross the Jordan, they conquer Jericho, they think they got it going on, then they go after the town called Ai, and because they were disobedient to God, they fell. And Ai was a small community, a small city. But the Israelites, out of their disobedience and sin, lost that battle. Now they got right with God, and then they conquered Ai. So after they conquer Ai, this is in chapter eight of Joshua, after they conquer Ai, what they do is they go to these mountains. There's Mount, Mount Elab and Mount Gerizim, I think, are the two that they had. These are mountaintop experiences for the Israelites. Cross the Jordan, conquered Jericho, Jericho out of obedience, lost the battle to Ai on the front end, out of disobedience and sin, got right with God, conquered Ai, and now they're gonna go a little bit farther into the promised land. And all the Israelites get to these two mountains, and they stand there, and Joshua reads the law and basically Deuteronomy out of Moses. Now all, all the Israelites are standing here on each one of these mountains and Joshua is reading the law, reading what it is to be disobedient to God and reading about the blessings of God. So the Israelites are just, for those of you that went on the missions trip last year, let me explain it this way. Or to dare to share, or if you've been on a trip, remember those mountaintop experiences? You're just like, you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You're so fired up about God. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be doing this and I promise God that and I'm never gonna mess up again and I'm gonna walk away from porn and I'm gonna be nice to people. Remember those days? Mountaintop experiences, you're like, yes. And countless times you guys come to me about a month later and go, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I've forgotten what it's like to follow God. I don't even know what to do because you've gotten down into the valley again. So here's Israel, mountaintop experience. Things are just going amazing. They're conquering people, they, the promised land's got problems in it, but they're conquering their enemy, and then they run into this next challenge. Remember this, I really believe their best weapon was obedience. And again, they're disobedient to the things of God in chapter nine with a group called the Gibeonites give you a little bit of a history here, a little context real quick, okay? So they've gotten Mount Elab, Mount Gerizim, they've done all the reading of the law, they're all just like, they promised God, oh, we remember, it's gonna be amazing, we're gonna conquer the land, and all these five kings get together in this area now, the five enemies have king, these kings get together because Israel's stomping these enemies because God said, I'm, I've handed them over to you. So five of the enemy kings get together and what they do is they put together a pact that we gotta go whoop the, the Israelites and the only way we're gonna do this is if all five of our cities get together at the same time, then we might stand a chance to beat them. But there's one group, another enemy city in this area called the Gibeonites and the Gibeonites don't wanna fight with the Israelites because they've heard the stories. They've watched what's happened. They know what's gonna happen to them. It's inevitable that the Israelites are going to destroy their city. So the Gibeonites come up with this idea that we're gonna deceive the Israelites, that we're gonna go about a plan and deceive them. And I'm gonna read through the scripture real quick tonight and then try to get you guys turned over to your small group here in a few minutes. So I wanna read chapter nine of Joshua and I wanna give you guys this story of the deception, the Gibeonites' deception, okay? In chapter nine, verse one, it says, now when all of the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, these things are what they did in Moses' time in walking over to Jordan, conquering Jericho, conquering Ai. So that's the things they're talking about. The kings in the hill country and the western foothills and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, 
I know how to say that word, I can't say it. Hevi, Hevites and the, and the Jebusites, sorry, they came together to wage war against Joshua and the Israelites. However, those five kings now are gonna wage war. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. Everybody knows what a ruse is, right? They're gonna deceive them, basically, is what that means, okay? So they, they decided to, 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 they resorted to a ruse they wouldn't lose, so they're gonna fake these guys out and lie to them. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. Now watch, look at me real quick. The Israelites were told to destroy everybody in this land. Do not make a treaty with anybody and kill anybody. All the Canaanites and Amorites, they were told by Moses and God to destroy anybody in that area. The Gibeonites are literally 25 miles from where the, the Israelites are camped, so they're neighbors. So really in all reality, the Gibeonites should have been destroyed by the Israelites. So that's what's going on here, okay? So when you see them, they, they, they dress like all their stuff is worn out and old and ragged. They put on worn pack set, they put on worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country Make a treaty with us. Remember, they were only 25 miles away, so this is an absolute lie, what they're laying before the Israelites. The Israelites said to the Hivites, they said, but perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? Because they knew what God wanted them to do. We are your servants, they said to Joshua. That doesn't mean we want to believe, be your slaves. That's basically just a token of respect. We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you? And where do you come from? Notice that Joshua is asking questions because he's a little suspicious here. They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country because of the famine, or because of the fame of the Lord your God. So this is where they start to flatter the Israelites and Joshua and kind of butter them up. Or we have heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt. Pay, look up, pay attention here what the, what the Gibeonites are doing. They're not talking about the Jordan and they're not talking about Jericho and they're not talking about Ai. They're talking about what happened on the other side of the Jordan in Egypt. News didn't travel as fast then as it does now. So they can't act like they've heard about Jericho and Ai because if they do, they'll know they were in that neighborhood. Does that make sense to you guys? So that's why the ruse is still going on. We heard about what you've done in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon, and the kings of Heshbon and Og and the kings of Bashan, who reigned in Ashroth. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey and go and meet with them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we, I can't believe they bought this. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left and now we've come to you. Now look at how it is when we've come to you. But now see how it is dry and moldy like it is. And these wineskins that were filled with new, <clears throat> were filled, were, that were filled, we filled were new, but some, now see how cracked they are. And our clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. The Israelites sampled their provisions but did not, not, did, did not inquire of the Lord. 
We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. So all of this that they did, I'll talk about this in a second. Joshua asked the right questions, was a little suspicious to what was going on, but the one thing Joshua and the Israelites did not do here that they have done before was they did not seek God's face through this. They did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders in the assemblies ratified it by oath. So they made an oath before God because of the ruse they let the Gibeonites live, not knowing they were Gibeonites. Three days after this, they made the three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living nearby. So the Israelites set out, and on the third day came to the cities uh, of Gibeon, uh, Kippurthar, and uh, I hate the Old Testament, Beeroth and Kiroth Jeremin. But the Israelites did not attack them because of the leaders' assembly had sworn an oath, paid close attention to that, had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. So the people, watch this now, the people in the story of crossing the Jordan and put, going and conquering Jericho and Ai, the, the people, the Israelites, are happy with their leaders. Now all of a sudden the leaders have made a bad decision here and they start to grumble against them. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but the leaders answered, we have given them our oath uh, by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do with them. So this is the Israelite leaders and Joshua telling the people what we'll do with them. We will let them live so that the God, God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. They continued, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and, wood, and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leaders promised, the lead, so the leader, leaders promised to them what the promise to them was kept. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, why did you deceive us by saying, we live a long way away from you, while actually you live near us? You're now under a curse. You will never be released. Now notice that you will never be released from the service as woodcutters and, and water carriers in the house of God. They answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servants Moses. Now somehow the Gibeonites found out about the law of Moses and what Moses and God had said that you're gonna conquer their land. So they knew they were up against God. And he said, he commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out the inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you. And that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do, what, do with us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites and they did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonite woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide the needs of the, the altar of the Lord at the place where the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day. Now that's a long, that's a lot of scripture to read, but I wanted you guys to get the gist of the story. There's a couple of things that I want to drag out of this for you guys tonight I hope will be helpful to you going into 2023. And I don't care what your age in this room is. This is something that we can learn from because the deceit of the Gibeonites here, there's so many lessons for Israelites and believers that we can draw out of this. So turn to your bulletin real quick, okay? And what I wanna cover first off, there's gonna be three things I wanna look at tonight real quick in the next few minutes. This will be quick. I want you guys, please do me a favor, okay? 
because I'm not going to have time to cover all of this in depth tonight, okay? I want you guys to take your bulletins home, read the scripture again, chapter 9, and look through the bulletin, please because, please, because I really believe some of this will help you guys be stronger in the Lord, help keep your eyes focused on the Lord as you go into 2023, and when you have those mountaintop experiences and you fall into the valley and you're wondering why, you'll know when you read this story and you look through these notes. The first thing is, going into 2023, how to avoid being deceived. How can I avoid being deceived? Remember, and I really believe this with all my heart, the best weapon these guys had was obedience to God. That's the first thing. Because if you're obedient to God, it says here in the first point, don't be prideful, self-righteous or self-reliant. Look at me. Because if you're prideful and you're self-righteous, and I'm all that in a bag of chips like the Israelites thought they were when they got done reading all the scripture, and you're, not, and you're self-reliant on you, you you will eventually fall. And when you do, don't be surprised because even Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful lest you fall. So if you're in this room tonight and you're thinking, you know what? I got it going on as a Christian, Dan. I'm doing pretty good. I don't really have any issues. Be careful. Be careful. Because I want you to realize if you are doing good and I'm glad you are, there's a reason you are and it's because of your obedience to God. And if you stop being obedient to God and turn to your own ways, you will fall. It's just as sure as you're sitting in this room, you guys. Here's what I tell people often. You are, as you sit in your seat tonight, you are exactly where you want to be with God. I believe that with all my heart. As you sit in this room tonight, you are exactly where you want to be with God. Don't be puffed up. If you're doing good, praise him. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. I want to do good. I never want to be in life to where I'm right where I want to be with God. I always want God out in front of me. I always want to be chasing after God, growing in the Lord. I never want to go, yep. Peyton and I talk, Peyton, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty settled in right here where I'm at with God. Doing all right. If I do that, in my opinion, I'm backing up because I've quit depending on him to live the way that I live. Does that make sense to you guys? Remember the devil is, he's deceitful, you guys, and he will use any means to convince you to not follow the things of God. The devil is a supernatural foe that is really good at what he does. He will come to you like the Gibeonites came to the Israelites, and he will tell you, you don't have to live that way. That guy, that Dan guy on Wednesday night, he's a, he's a lunatic. He's over the edge. He's kind of radical. Christianity isn't really all that. You'll be okay if you compromise a little bit here. Don't worry. Don't, you don't need to talk to God about this right now. Just keep living your life. You're doing fine. Right? He'll deceive you to get you to, to compromise on the things of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, 10 through 18 is what I would tell you to go read. We fight against a supernatural foe who uses tricks and deceit to fool you, to get you to quit walking with God. And he's good at what he does. He's very good at what he does. First Timothy 3, 7 says, Satan will use snares to catch us as prey. That word snare there means something a hunter will use. And my, I think I lost a dog one time to snares. I was out with my bird dog one time in Montana hunting. And I went around this side and Abby went around that side. When we got around to the other side of the bush, there was no Abby. And I called her and she, my dog's just gone. Chocolate Lab, I don't know, she's very obedient. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I came around the tree, around the bush, and here's Abby standing there frozen. 
because she got caught in a snare, a trap. And the more she fought it, the more it choked her down. And I finally got it clipped off of her. Thank goodness that I found her, you know. But, she, but she, what we need to do is if we really believe to not be deceived, we have to watch where we're walking. And we have to watch for the devil's traps and the devil's snares. And if we're not watching, we're gonna get caught like that. And the more we jerk, the more trouble we get into. Does that make sense to you guys? So you gotta watch where you're walking in life. And you gotta make sure that Satan doesn't sneak up from behind you and deceive you with his subtle ways and get you lost. Here's what I think the Israelites did too. And part of this may be fit and maybe not. Maybe helpful, maybe not. If you neglect your devotional time, your spiritual sight will dim. Now think about what I just talked about with snares. If I'm not doing my devotions and I'm walking through life and I'm not reading the Bible and I'm not praying and I'm kind of sloughed off a youth group or when I go, it doesn't really have much impact on me anymore. My sight dims. I'll just be honest with you. The older you get, the more you hate driving at night because you can't see as good anymore. It's the craziest thing in the world. I don't know why it is. I used to love to drive at night. I hate driving at night because my sight's dim. Does that make sense? Just the light doesn't get in, whatever that might be. And a lot of people deal with that. But when you don't read your Bible and pray, your spiritual sight becomes dim and you become susceptible to the devil's ways. Does that make sense to you guys? That's why I told you last week, I got on you a little bit. Read your Bible in the morning. Pray in the morning. Get up in the morning. Start your day with God. So when you go out to battle, you've got good eyesight. You're bright. You're clear-eyed. I think that Friday Night Lights used to be a show on television. You're clear-eyed right? Wide-eyed, clear-eyed. You know exactly what's going on, and you won't stumble as much that way. In verse 14, there's something that the Israelites did that I think is important here. It says they tasted their food. They tasted their provision. I promise you, I promise you, if you taste the things of the world, you're going to fall. You can't dabble in the world. You can't be like the Israelites because the Israelites were walking by sight, not by faith. They, they made decisions based on what they saw and they heard. Does that make sense to you guys? And they ate of their provisions. They ate of the world's provisions and when they did, they failed. Don't, don't feed from the world, you guys. Don't watch pornography. Don't get into the gossip. Don't get caught up in the, all the gender stuff. Don't feed from the world because if you do, you're gonna fall. Ultimately, the best way to keep yourself from being deceived is to consult the Lord because when they did not inquire of the Lord, they made the treaty and that's what got them in trouble. They were walking by sight, not by faith. How do you make good decisions? Couple of things here real quick and I'll let you go through this. The Israelites seemed to exercise caution, but the thing they did is they did not seek the Lord. They went off of their own wisdom and their own decisions and their own thought process. Proverbs 14, 13, 14 12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. In the end it leads to death because you did not seek God's face. God makes it very clear in scripture, you guys. You draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I love James chapter four, verse seven and eight. He says this, the pattern of this is important. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, says God. God's a responsive God. He will draw near to you. Pay attention. You've heard me say this before. I think a lot of times we, we're so hung up on our decisions 
that we get stuck on the decisions we make. I think there's something more important than the decisions you'll make in life. I think it's the pattern in which you make decisions is more important than the decision itself. I really believe that to be true, and I think you see it in the scripture, because look at Jericho, the battle of Jericho, and then look at the deception of the Gibeonites. Look at those two stories, and look at what they did. Look at the process and how the Israelites made, came to the decision it's not the decision, it was the process and how they made it. Jericho, they were marching around the city, walking by faith, not by sight. Listening to God, seeking God's face, doing, ex doing exactly what God told them to do. And what they have, a great victory. The Gibeonites, what do you see in the Gibeonites? You see the Israelites walking by sight and not by faith. Looking at what they could see and hear and making decisions based on that and not inquiring of the Lord. If you guys don't get anything out of tonight, please hear this part. In the smallest things, inquire, of the, uh, inquire God. In the smallest decisions you make, consider Christ in everything that you do because the, the, the disciples or the Israelites did not do that in the story with the Gibeonites. And look what it got them because the process they went through to find victory was different from the process they went through to find defeat. Make sense to you guys? You gotta make, do, make sure that you do that. And they did not use two offensive weapons that we still have today. And those two offensive weapons are prayer and God's word. That's a, the best weapons we have is prayer and God's word and they did not use them. They leaned on their own understanding, their own wisdom and their own judgment. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. If they would have acknowledged God in this, don't you think they would have been able to see? Wait a minute. If it's a big delegation, they should have plenty of food for the trip. They should have food for on the way home. There were too many things that didn't make sense if they would have just stopped and prayed. God would have said, wait, no, 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 no. If these guys are a great delegation, they're gonna have enough supplies to get here and to get home. Make sense to you guys? So if they would have just stopped, acknowledged God, God would have made their path straight. In other words, he would have showed them the way to, that they should go. Do not, if you, if you lack wisdom in anything you do, you guys, make sure that you're um, doing what James 1.5 says. If you lack wisdom, ask, for, ask God and he'll give it to you. So watch, real quick. When it comes to dating, when it comes to friends, when it comes to how you respond to certain situations, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So don't just date anybody. Don't just um, make friends with anybody. Use God's wisdom when you're making these decisions, you guys, and consider Christ in everything that you're doing and inquire of God. Say, God, am I really supposed to date this guy or this girl? Because here's what I know. If we really believe what happened with the Gibeonites, God will let you know, he'll put a check in your heart, and he'll say, eh, I don't think so. And then it's up to you whether you're gonna be obedient and listen to God or go the way that you think is right. Do not exalt your own knowledge and understanding over God's wisdom, okay? And not only that, but like the, your schedules in school, what you're doing for classes. I know, I don't know, maybe some of you are doing this, but at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the semester when I'm trying to decide what do I do for classes, what do I do for college credits, you gotta ask yourselves this. 
Please build this habit in your life. I'm not telling you what to do. Please hear my heart. But I want you guys to sit down and look at your schedule and go, God, what do you want me to do? Because I'm gonna put things in my life that are gonna help me get closer to God or keep me so busy that I fall away from God. I want you guys to start creating habits where you're seeking God in the smallest decisions in your life. Because I really believe it's not the big things in life that get us. We know to pray about that, don't we? We know to pray about the big things, but it's the little bitty decisions you make every single day that are gonna put you on a path that are gonna lead you away from the cross or to the cross. You should consider Christ in everything you do. When you get up in the morning, girls, you think about God when you're getting dressed. I know you do, but I wanna encourage you to keep doing that. And the last thing is this, how do we live with consequences? And I wanna give you guys a word to your small groups for a few minutes. Although they made mistakes of leaning on their own understanding, they honored, they honored the vow they made. Why? Because they made it before God. Keep your word. Consequences aside, you guys, keep your word. When you blow it, be honest with people and I blew it. Deal with the consequences. You're gonna have to learn to live with your consequences because two wrongs don't make a right. So take that lesson from these guys and do that. There was no punishment from God to the Israelites in this, but they had to live with the consequences of their decisions for the rest of their life. Know the difference, learn from your mistakes. Look, 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 learn from your mistakes. When you blow it, look back at how did I get here? Don't look at where I blew it at. Look back at how did I, what was my decision process that brought me here? Because if you look back at that, then you can change that and you won't end up there anymore. Make sense? Learn from your mistakes. And then remember, God is a God of redemption. And I don't even have time to get into this tonight, but I wanna encourage you guys, really learn about the Gibeonites, because God redeemed them even. If you blow it, when you blow it, you remember not to listen to the devil. You don't let the devil condemn you. You made a mistake, maybe fell into sin, gave into temptation, made a decision that didn't honor God, you repent. You ask God to forgive you, and you keep walking with him. Don't you let the devil tell you you shouldn't even go to youth group anymore. You've sinned so much you don't even belong there, and he will do that because he's gonna do everything he can to keep you from being in this environment so that you can grow as a Christian. Turn to your small group, answer some questions, and we'll close up here in a few minutes. So real easy with Joshua, you guys. I want you really to look at the best weapon they have is their obedience. And they walked by faith, not by sight. It turned out good for them. When they walked by sight and not by faith, it didn't turn out so good. So you guys have really got to look at this story and the process in which you make decisions and how not to be deceived by the devil. Because we have a supernatural foe that is constantly trying to get me to stumble in Christ. And the way I, here's what I do. Two things I would tell you guys. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of your faith. It's John 1, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That word behold means to stare at, to gaze upon. So when you're walking through life, no matter what direction you're looking, you've always got your eyes fixed on God. Make sense? Keep your eyes on him and he'll help you. And when the thoughts come, when the temptations come, I want you to do what Corinthians talks about. Paul talks about this. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, when a temptation comes to girls to gossip, because girls have got gossip issues, right? When it comes, I'm like, I'm gonna talk about that girl. You wait and see. I'm gonna show her social, whatever that is. You take those thoughts and you go, no. 
but I take the thought of thinking I want to gossip and I'm thinking I don't want to do that. I don't ignore what I don't want to do. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to gossip. What am I thinking about? What I don't want to do. And I eventually do what I don't want to do because that's all I'm thinking about. Make sense to you guys? Take the thought captive. I'm not going to gossip and when I do that, I turn and I make it obedient onto Christ. I put it this way. It's a little piffy little song. Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. That's my life. You want to know how I live? You want to know Dan's brain? Thoughts, Christ. Thoughts, Christ. Then guess what doesn't happen to me? I don't get deceived by the devil because I take all this stuff and I'm filtering it through Christ constantly in my day. Why? Because I'm utterly dependent on him to live the way I do. Outside of Christ, I'm not me. Outside of Christ, you get the old Dan. You get the old Brian. You get the old Julie. We don't like those people, right? We don't want to go back there. And that's what we're encouraging you guys to do. And when you make bad decisions, and you will, you're going to do, you ready? I'm going to give you a break. You're going to do stupid things. You know why? Because we're sheep, and sometimes we go away from the shepherd, and when we do, we're dumb. (laughs) How's that for theological stuff for you tonight? When you make mistakes, don't you dare get stuck in that mistake or that temptation or that sin. You repent, you ask God to forgive you, you get up and you move on, and you do not let the devil condemn you. Conviction draws you near to God every single time because he loves you. He's a God of redemption, and that's what he wants to do with you when you make mistakes. Don't be deceived, make good decisions, the process in which you do it, and when you make mistakes, own up to it. Be honest, live in the consequences, and learn from your mistakes, and ask God to forgive you, and you move on. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good, and we're grateful. Just a quick prayer tonight, Lord, help us. Help us to be able to look at these stories in Joshua, because Joshua gets to where it says, a couple of chapters later, he did everything that God told him to do. Help us to be those people. Help us to learn from our mistakes. Help us to watch the Bible, learn from the stories there, learn from our mistakes, and then get ourselves in our life where we do everything you tell us to do because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed, everyone. Have a great night.